You know, I, I love the book of Acts, and uh, I know I say that about every book. And I've been hovering here in chapter 9 because it's, it's this is Saul, you know, Paul the Apostle. He just, he's changed. And this is what the gospel does to people. It does to humanity. When Jesus Christ touches a human being, when we come into contact with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, uh, we either do, we go one way or the other. Our lives are transformed and we become new people or we, our hearts are hardened and we go off. And that's what Jesus did. He's, he does. He's come to divide. And he's like, what? You know, no, he's come to unite. Well, he's come to divide. Sheep and goats. Those who are his and those who aren't. Those who are going to eternal life and those who are going to eternal death. We don't like to hear those terms today. We like to be inclusive and say, all roads lead. And, and Jesus is not that way. He says, I am the way. I am the true. I am the light. And by the way, the Father, the reason why he sent him is because of love. Can, can you believe that? That God could send someone out of love and yet be judge, uh, judge at the same time. And so we like to gravitate towards one side of God or the other side of God. Oh, he's all grace, he's all mercy. Yes, he is, in Christ. But outside of Christ, we're lost. Humanity is lost. And the heavens declare, the earth declares, look at nature. It is crying out that there is a creator. And man will do everything in his power, everything in his means to, to deny that so that he can remain in control and not be accountable to anything. And I stand among those people. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. And so I'm ho- I've been hovering around Paul because we see that this man who is radical, he was, he's a radical Middle Easterner, standing at the stoning of Stephen, consenting to it, thinking he's doing the will of God, going out and persecuting the church, and Jesus Christ meets him. Knocks him off his donkey, as we've been talking about. And his life is changed, and he ended up writing most of the New Testament. Praise God for his grace in our lives. Praise God that he reaches out to sinners. And it says, uh, you know, it talks about Paul, he would later write, why, did, why would God do that? Why would God reach this guy who is so vehemently against the gospel? Why would he reach out and save a wretch like him? And it's because of us, Paul would write. So that you would see how long-suffering God was with him. If he's been long-suffering with him, who persecuted the church, who is putting people in jail and other things. What about you? What about you? Oh, thank you for that pattern of grace and mercy. What about your neighbor? What about that person down the street that you judge and say, oh, there's no way? Well, they just might. They have an Acts 9 experience with the Lord, and that's what we're praying, and that's what the gospel's about. Amen? So one of the main persecutors of the early church was Saul, and that is why the gospel is uh, of, of Acts here. I said the gospel of Acts because Acts is about the gospel going forward. That's the main message. And the thing is, who's doing it? What are the oppositions? And when those things come in, it will focus on it. When they're removed, it goes back to the main thing. And and it keeps bumping around. Well, the main persecutor of the gospel, the main person against the church, was Saul. And so that's why we spent some time talking about Saul. And it says that he... uh, 
he had letters in his hand from the high priest to go to Damascus. He wasn't just content with Jerusalem. He wanted to expand his persecution. So he's going he's gonna to go on the road. And he's going to go find people. He's going to get them. And he's going to bring them back to Jerusalem and throw them in jail. And he's going to quell this. He's going he's gonna to lock it down. And while on his way, Jesus appeared in his glorious light to Saul. And it was at that point that Saul became a new, a new, new in Christ. He was born again. And Jesus, in verse 6, told him to get up and go into the city where he, he would be told what he must do. Saul got up, but he realized he was blind and he had to be led by his hand. You know, how many of you thought that once you gave your heart to Jesus that it would be easy? Now it's going to be easy. Sure, the weight and the burden of sin has been lifted. You're free. But what happened to Saul? God told him to go do something, and was he able to do it? in his own strength, and his own ability, like he could have done before? No, he got blind. How many of you have something going on in your life where it just hinders you from doing the things that God has called you to do? Anyone? And so how many of you are hovering in your weakness instead of stepping out in faith and doing what the Lord asked you to do? He grabbed friends around him, they dragged him, and they went and did exactly what the Lord had said. They brought him to Damascus. And so... Be encouraged. You know, the life in, in Christ is hard. You will have much suffering. Jesus promised that. Persecution. But this is not what we're living for. Is it, church? No. No, it's not. We, we live to be with him. And so verse 9 tells us that for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink. And we'll, we read later that he was fasting. Verse 10, I'll just read through these just to catch us up. It says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called him in in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. He was fasting and praying during those three days. Verse 12, In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I need to inform you of some things. I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come out here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord, verse 15, said to him, Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. Those are non-Jews. The gospel first goes to the Jews, then it goes to the Gentiles. Paul, Saul, same person, chosen by God, to be the messenger to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. This is what he will do in his life. Verse 16, And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. We talked about that last week. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul, and he said, Brother Saul. Yeah, amen. What happens when a person comes into the kingdom? What do they become? They're now family, brother, sister. And he puts his hand because the Lord had said, that's your brother. Guess what? It doesn't make a difference what they've done, what they've been through, all those types of things. They're washed. They're clean. They're your brother. They're your sister. I love that. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And he got up. 
and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. And so here he is, uh, born again, uh, received the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he ate some food and he kept moving on. And so we see this greatest opponent of the gospel is now no longer an opponent, but now he is actually going to be one of the main people who is pushing the gospel, who is going out there and, and it's changed him so radically. He has met the Lord. He is a new person. And that has changed who he is and what he's about and where he's going and what his whole life mission is about. And now it's about that experience, that personal relationship that happened to him. It's now about sharing that with others. And there's a world around him that's going to tell Paul to be quiet and to not share that gospel and that it's not appropriate. And can't you follow policy and all these other things? Jesus unleashed himself through Paul. And we're going to see this. We spoke about last week what happens to a person when we meet Jesus. When we meet Jesus, when they have that road to Damascus experience with the Lord. We become worshipers. Paul got knocked off his donkey. He fell down. He started hearing his voice. He started hearing the voice of the Lord. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus starts to correct. He corrected Saul. He corrects us. We talked about how many of you love to be corrected. No, I, I, we don't. We want to have the happy gospel. You are so good. You're so awesome. Just keep doing what you're doing and everybody loves you. Parents, how's that working out for your kids? <laughs> you know what I mean? Lawlessness, if you want to have crazy people, go ahead. You want people disciplined in the love and the fear of the Lord. The Lord will come in and he knows how to correct and rebuke and exhort and encourage and build up and create character. Oh, how we need character in our lives. So Lord, he corrects and he teaches us, which causes us to want, him know, want, to, want to know him more, to draw closer to him, strangely enough, because our heart longs for it. Our heart longs for God to speak to us. Our heart is made to connect with the creator. When he speaks to us, it meets that void that the world cannot meet. All of this is meant to point us towards him. Not it. Anyways, and he will show us more of who he is. And he gives us a step of faith. He gave Saul a step of faith. Get up and go. This is involving us in his plan. This is ministry. Did you know that? I know it's like ministry. Oh, he's in the ministry. No, we are in the ministry. Born again, anybody? You are in the ministry. You are a minister of Jesus Christ. You have his light in you. You salt, light of the earth, right? Hey, that's you. Somehow think everybody thinks I'm the team and you're the coach or, or whatever. You're the fans. No, it's like we are the team. We go. We go out into the world. That is the mentality. It's, this is not a spectator sport. Right now, we're, we're learning and we're feeding on the word. But that has to go somewhere, right? And that's what you do. You're called. And look at you. You're like a special forces team all over the place. You know, you, you can get into places I could never do that. You can get into situations, some of you are, in, you know, in different, uh, meeting with different people that I would never talk to. You know, I would never be able to get into, to pass the door, pass the receptionist, or, you know, they go, get out of here. You know, Nick, public school. I mean, what is that? God reaching people. You are 
chosen and called by the Lord to be his, uh, to, to be his light wherever you are, to be his witnesses in how you act and operate and how you love people and by the gospel that you will preach when the Holy Spirit says, speak. Amen? And I love that. But he requires a step of faith. And we're going to respond in obedience, just like Saul did. He got up and went, but we also are going to be trained through various testings and trials to walk by faith and not by sight. And Saul was blind, yet he obeyed in spite of his weakness. And as he did, the Lord gave him further instruction. Some of us are hovering in that place where God has said, go out, go step out, go speak, change this, do this. And we have not obeyed because of whatever it is. And there we sit like Abraham, 13 years later, with an Ishmael on your, in your hands, right? Or a Hagar, Genesis people. You know what I'm saying? So go back. What has he asked you to do? Step out, and he'll give you further instruction. It's, it's, I love it. And so he, Saul stepped out, and the Lord gave him further instruction. And Saul spent several days, verse 19.5, uh, with the disciples in Damascus. And at, one, at once, verse 20, he, gave, he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, hey, isn't this the guy who, who came here to raise havoc in Jerusalem and, and among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoner to the chief priests? Who is this guy? <laughs> Verse 22, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. When we are born again, when we meet Jesus and we're baptized in his spirit, and you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a crazy thing. When, when, when we allow God to possess us, when we are just filled with him, when we are in relationship with Jesus Christ, when his spirit is leading us and moving us, that's what I'm talking about. Baptized with the spirit. New Testament, correct? We're not talking about barking and clucking and all that. We're talking about being spirit-filled people as God has called us to be. When we are like that, Jesus said we will be his witnesses. You can't help it because the same spirit, Jesus' spirit, is in you. Well, what does Jesus do? He shines the light of the Father. And that's what's happening. And at once, right away, Saul got up and he began to shine the truth of Jesus. And this is what happens when we meet Jesus and are filled with the Spirit. We become witnesses to the world and of Jesus and his gospel. And I love that about new believers. How many of you love that about people who have just received the Lord? They're just, they've been changed. They've been changed from the inside out. They just can't help but just shine. They're shining. You know what I mean? It's just like they're crazy. I mean hey, do you know what God did? And they're just going, and yeah, it's, you know, there needs to be some tame, but what they have is they have new life. They have new life. They've been in contact with Jesus. It's, it's wonderful. And they're filled with this glow, and they're, and they're singing with full hearts, and they're standing up going, praise the Lord, you know, and they're just, they're not, they're unashamed. And they talk to their friends about the Lord, and they're being filled with his word and with his promises, they just shine, and Jesus loves it, and, and I love it, you know? How we need some more new believers in our fellowship, you know, and around us to encourage us. And this is what we have in, as a privilege, is to be praying for that, to be seeking for those opportunities to shine our light in Him. But this situation was really difficult for Saul. He was on his way to imprison people, and now he's going to go minister to those people he was trying to imprison. 
and all the religious Jewish leaders there. And he meets Jesus, and, and now he's going to go preach that same message. And that's got to be difficult. How many of you like to be, go, walk into a situation and you're vehemently against something and then walk in the next day and start preaching the exact opposite? What do you think people are going to say about you and to you and for you? Hey, that guy's a hypocrite or, you know, they've got a screw loose. Something's going on. Yeah. But I'm sure it was awkward, just as I'm sure it's awkward and difficult for you. Anybody find it awkward and difficult to share the gospel? Anyone? Yes, it is. And for Saul, people were saying, hey, isn't this guy bad news? And Saul had to operate. He had to minister in that environment. What kind of environment has God placed you in? Where are you placed right now? Who are the people that surround you? What will they say? What do they think if you were to dot, dot, dot? You were this way, but now you're changed. You're a different person. God got a hold of you, and here it goes. I don't know. Instantly, when I begin to get into those situations, I like to make excuses as to why I shouldn't be doing it. You know, the Lord's put it on my heart to go share with someone, and like, I was thinking, I was talking with a, a sister this this past week, and the Lord had encouraged her to do something, and, and you know, and we were just talking about the warfare that goes on in our hearts. You know, hey, let's go minister to this person over here. You know, go talk to them. Oh yeah, but and then you start. I don't know, within like 10 steps, you, you've, you're never going to do it. You know, I mean, you figured out every reason why you would never do that. Anybody go through that fight? You think that was going on in Paul's heart? In his mind? He would pray for boldness. He'd ask the church, please. We're going to see he's, he was fearless here, appearing to other people, but there was a, a war going on in his heart. It was hard. It was difficult for him. And out of anybody, I think Saul would have the best excuse not to go out, not to shine his light, because he knew what kind of people he was dealing with. People would want to kill him. It was a rough environment. Some of you might have hostile family members or work environments or neighbors. You feel totally shy and inadequate for the calling the Lord has called each of us to labor in, which is sharing the gospel. You've all been called to share the gospel. You can't get out of it. It's just like, you know, my gift is not loving people. (laughs) Anybody say my gift is not loving people? That's not my calling. (laughs) <laughs> someone raise their hand I won't. who shall rename nameless <laughs> seriously we're all called to love we're all called to share the gospel now some of you might not be called to teach and preach but you're called to share the light and the capacity God's given you and you'll be accountable for that right and it's a privilege and an honor and how he does it through each of you is going to be neat and uniquely you but the message is the same and so anyways got to get back here Uh, but I want you to look at verse 20. Even though it was a really difficult situation, look at verse 20. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 22, excuse me. What does it say? It says, yet Saul, what did he do? He grew. What? He grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is Christ. So, how many of you think Paul is just amazing? And you look at the end product. What did he have to do? He had to grow. 
he had to step out and actually do it. He had to respond. And so he had to grow. He wasn't Paul of, at the end of Acts. He's Paul, new believer, Acts. And that's who he is. And so there was a lot of awkward moments. He didn't have all the words. He was trying to figure things out. And he was talking with the disciples going, what do I do? How do I approach this? He was working. It was being worked through his soul. And yet he grew more and more powerful. He grew in power. He grew in his calling, his gifting. And guess what? So do we. And Saul was determined to obey Christ and to go into those places and preach Christ no matter how much he was misunderstood, no matter how much he was hated, no matter how much he felt awkward, no no matter how it felt inappropriate by the culture surrounding him. Because who was calling the shots? Was it the people around him? Was it the culture Was it his workplace? Was it all those things? Who was calling the shots in his life? The Holy Spirit, the Lord. Who's calling the shots in my life? How about you? See? And guess what? It was awkward, but he stepped out. And God met him, and he grew. And God will meet you too, and you will grow. And again, I challenge you to step out. To step out for Christ, no matter how awkward, no matter how uh, you might be misunderstood, no matter how you fumble through your words or your actions, step out and God will grow you. He will grow you and you will grow in power. And I love this about new believers. They step out and they shine and they're growing and this should be the pattern for us until the day we die. How is it that we come to Christ and then we become less light less effective, less glowing, less impacting in our society, and we become more rigid, more religious, more hunkered down, less impactful. How is that? Anybody experience that? I've experienced that. I do. I go through it all the time. It should be going the other way. The other way, more and more like Jesus every day. And so that's a challenge to us a challenge to us. When we stop stepping, when we stop hearing his voice uh, through his word and through prayer and through fellowship and here in Acts and through visions and songs, you know, when we stop listening and obeying with childlike faith, faith, we become stunted in our walks. And it becomes religious and arduous and a task to go to church. It becomes a task to sing songs. It becomes burdensome to go share the gospel with people. It becomes Oh, I just can't handle it anymore. Why am I? You, know, you just fall apart. Anybody feel like that this morning? Is that controlling your life? Reconnect. Reconnect with Jesus. His burdens are light. That's not his burden. So anyways, do not fear. Step out and share the gospel. It is why you were saved, you know, to, make, to know him, to make him known. So Saul spent time with believers in Damascus, and he's being poured into by these people. And he responded, and he went preaching right away, making an impact. But check out verse 23. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him by basket uh, through an opening in the wall. 
They wanted to kill him. How many of you are in an environment, if you share the Lord with somebody, they're, they're going to kill you? Not yet. G.K. Chesterton, he said, unless the gospel sounds like a gun going off, it has not been uttered at all. Unless the gospel sounds like a gun going off, it has not been uttered at all. Paul said, he would later say, writing to the uh, Corinthians in his first letter, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verse 17, 18, he said, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is to us who are being saved. It's the power of God. It sounds like foolishness to people. You've got to be crazy. It's offensive. Now, the gospel, by its very message, is offensive to the person we are delivering it to. It is offensive. You don't have to be offensive. The message is offensive. Do you, see, do you get the difference? Now, I can, some of you passionate people like me, we can be offensive real quick. And God will work that zeal out through our lives, and, right? But the message in itself is, is offensive. Do you want to know why it's offensive? I know you do. But I just want you to know right away, <laughs> know that. Know that the message you carry, it's a loaded gun. It's going to offend people. Just get over it. You're going to offend people. And you're offending them because you love them and you care about them. And you don't have to deliver it, deliver it in a deliberately offensive manner. But no, the message simply says, we have sinned. I'm going to say you because it's more pointed just to be offensive. You have sinned and will be judged by God when you die. How many like that? You have sinned and will be judged by God when you die. We're all condemned. That's, what the, that's, that's part of the bad news. But because God loves you, he made a way to be forgiven and to receive eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son, his only son, who died on the cross and was raised from the dead. You've got to put your faith in Jesus. He is the way, the only way to be forgiven and to avoid the wrath to come. That's it. Put your faith, your trust. That means you trust that what he did on your behalf, he took away your sins makes you right with God, and he gives you eternal life to boot. That message is offensive because it says to people in all different kinds of lifestyles, whatever you are in to, whatever you've been, whatever who you are, whether you're squeaky clean or you're Hitler, you aren't good enough. You've sinned, you've fallen short, me included, especially me. What does that do in your heart? Different people react in different ways. You're not going to make it apart from Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God, Romans, I was talking about this real quickly, Romans 1, 17 <clears throat> This is Paul later on. Well, 16 through 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, right? We know that one. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. Salvation means it saves you. 
What are you being saved from? And he'll talk about the wrath of God in verse 18. But it brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, for in the gospel, the righteousness is revealed, a righteousness that is from faith, from first to last, just as it's written, the, right, the, the just shall live by faith. The righteousness is apart from us. It is not something within us. We are the problem. And that's what the gospel is, is that man is broken. We're sinful. We have fallen short of God. And no one likes to hear that. This society does not want to hear that they have to turn from their wickedness. And you start pointing out things and everybody gets all politically correct. Listen, sin grows in several different ways. It manifests itself all over the place. The problem, the core is our hearts are broken. We've sinned against God. We're no longer work. And God says, you're going to go off into eternity apart from me unless I come down and fix you. And he loved you so much. He loved me so much. He sent his son to die on the cross to pay for the sin because he's not like us who tries to push stuff under the rug. It has to be dealt with. Lies cannot go unpunished. How many of you are going crazy with the injustice in the world right now? I'm going crazy with the injustice of the world, the hypocrisy and all those things. And of course, I see it in my own life. There will be a day of judgment. God will reckon all those things. Every single thing will be brought to light. Every single thing. It will not be forgotten. And for those who have called upon Jesus said, have mercy on me beforehand. Those things that were accounted to us as evil had been paid for upon Jesus. The wrath of God that was pointed towards me was pointed towards him. You see, he took my place. I can write you a check for a million dollars and hand it to you. you You can talk about it all day, but until you put it in the bank, until you cash it, until you actually put your faith in it, until you trust it, you know what I'm saying? You do something. You're not a millionaire. You can talk about Jesus all day long, but until you receive him, until you accept it and say, yes, God, you're not saved. You can do all the things that, you can go to church. There'll be people who go to church and have been religiously going to church every day of their life in hell. That's horrible. And God breaks. That's why he's, who is he, who's Jesus talking to in the New Testament? Who is he beating up on, so to speak? The Pharisees. He's getting mad. He's like, hey, you're leading my people off a cliff. You're thinking that all these, if I can just do enough good things, then at the end of your life, these scales will work out. And Jesus says, no, you can be perfect, totally perfect in keeping the law, but you're broken. You, you're guilty in one thing, you're guilty of it all. How many of you have, have lied? guilty. How many of you have looked at someone lustfully? Guilty. How many of you have go down the list? How many of you have coveted what your neighbor had? I know you have because I've seen the parking lot. You know what I mean? Seriously. I mean, that's how we work, right? I know you're coveting my van of shame. Don't worry. I'm I'm coveting all your cars right now, believe me. But you know what I'm saying? We were all broken, and we kind of joke about it, but the, the real issue and the offensive thing is that we're not going to make it. No matter how shiny and pretty we're on that side, we need to be born again. And that's what Jesus does. He came down and he died. And we have to surrender. We have to lay down and say, I give up. 
I'm not going to make it. Save me, God. Oh, God, help me. And God is longing to do that. He's longing to do it so much so that's why he sent his son. That's his love. I don't want you to experience the wrath. And this is why we get confused about God. Well, if you love me, you'll just let it go. No, because that is not God. God is totally just. At the same time, he is totally loving. Our definition of love is messed up. He's just. He will not let anything slide, and yet he loves. And so his provision, the loophole, the way is Jesus Christ. And it is the only way. He is the only way. And so it's offensive. And this is the message that Paul preached. He showed them from Scripture that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Savior. And it offended them, and they wanted to kill them because it exposed who they really were. Remember that the message we preach is offensive, not, uh, I'm sorry, because it reaffirms nothing about the person we're talking to. It reaffirms nothing. Nothing about man can save man except surrendering to Jesus. Man doesn't like that message. But church, shoot straight with the gospel. Shoot straight and let God deal with whatever's going to go on in their hearts and minds and how they react. You preach the gospel. You tell them straight. Don't try to, you know, candy coat it. Don't try to do a half and half thing. You just tell them straight. Listen, you've sinned. God loves you. He made a way. Unless you call it to Jesus, you're not going to make it. He is the way. Surrender. I had to do it. I, you know, that's it. And the th- sad thing is many people, they might not want to kill you. Well, they might want to kill you. They might not do it, but you might have broken relationships. You might have people that you totally love and care about abandon you. You might have family members just say, forget it. You might get persecuted at work. You might lose your job. You might all these things. And Jesus, by the way, he promised all that stuff would happen. So expect it. But you just, when the Lord says, speak, you speak. But we deliver the message and we let the God, God deal with all this. But the key in all this, and this is really important, as I'm talking about sharing our faith and as we talk about what Paul is doing, the key of all this is, is to be filled with the Spirit, to be a people who are filled with the Spirit and who are in His Word and we step out in faith and the Lord will use you, right? So don't water it down. You're the messenger. You're the ambassador. You're not the author. You're not the author. You're just the messenger, right? And they might want to shoot the messenger. Jesus said that might happen because they hate him. And that is why. Paul was faithful and he experienced the same persecution he approved of with Stephen. And so verse 26 in closing here, uh, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he told them how to Saul. Uh, he told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. And so, good old Barnabas came through the disciples of Jerusalem. Saul tried to join their little group there, right? Saul was the one who was standing next to, you know, approving to the death of Stephen. They're like, no way. 
We're not going to do that. And that is wise of the leadership. You know, there'll be people who will come in and say, hey, well, I can lead a Bible study or can do this and that. We don't know you. And it's wise of leaders to get to know people and find out who they are, what their background is before you place them in the leadership. Now, everybody can come and hear the gospel, but guess what? The gospel requires a response. So if you're sitting in in church here for, uh, you know, for a year on end and and you're still living with your boyfriend, living with your girlfriend, we're going to have a talk. You know what I mean? If you're, if these things are going on, because that is darkness. We, we've got to, there has to be a change. There has to be a response. Otherwise, you're just hypocriting. You know? Sorry. You know, the Lord loves you, and he wants to bring you to his light. And it's not about conforming morality. It's about responding to the Spirit. God should be speaking to you, and in your heart and your life, right? And so that, that has to be going on. And so Saul walks into the situation, wants to be a part of him, and they're like, hey, we, need to, we don't need to, what people are talking about. We need to see fruit. We need to see what's happening in your life. And luckily Barnabas, who we see as an established person in the church, comes in and says, hey, this guy's good to go, and this is why. And I love that about the Lord. Second chance this. I'm thankful that you guys vetted me out and talked to all the people, you know, back then. And I know you guys made a big mistake, but I mean, it's all working. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's cool, you know. Uh, you got to be careful there. And so they changed their mind. They allowed him to fellowship. And Saul uh, is the real deal. And so that's important of the shepherds of the flock to do that. Praise God for Barnabas's, huh? Verse 28, so Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Amen. See, the focus is back on the word being spoken. Paul is speaking boldly. And the Holy Spirit gives him power to do that, to proclaim the gospel. Verse 29 is very interesting. It says, He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, uh, but they tried to kill him as well. So Paul has a wonderful following here of people trying to kill him. Um, It's not going to be easy, is it? Um, The same thing that Stephen uh, was doing to him, debating with him, he began to do with them. The same thing that happened to Stephen, they stoned him and killed him. They're trying to do to Paul. Saul, same person here. They threatened Saul's life. However, verse 30, when the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and uh, sent him off to Tarsus. And so he's kind of went to the coast and now he's on a ship. And so um, uh, get out of here, Saul. And You know, we, we, we can be wise about, we don't need to be instant martyrs. You know, we can be wise about the circumstances and the places we're in. You know, if there's a threat to your life, don't immediately consider you got to lay down your life for the Lord. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's, that's something he'll have, to, he'll have to work out. But I mean, we can be wise about how we do things, about how we, how we minister to people and the environments we do it. So there's wisdom and there's prayer that goes into these things. So the believers really saved him and took him over there and sent him off on a ship and said, get out of here, buddy. And then the church through Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and it increased in numbers. See that pattern again? Paul was the problem. God saved him, got him out of the way. And then what happened to the church? It grew. People put so much emphasis on church growth, it drives me nuts. It's about numbers and about how to get people in the seats. And it's usually through carnal methods. And you're getting a bunch of people and you're trying to entertain them instead of them actually being disciples of Christ and growing the way God has called them to do it. And that's a slow growth. It takes a long time. 
But the main point of Acts is the gospel going forward. And we saw it with the apostles. We saw it through Stephen, then Philip, and now Saul. And in between the word going through these various people groups, we saw opposition. When you preach the gospel, there's going to be opposition. From leaders in Jerusalem, remember that? From the Sanhedrin, from within the church. You had problems within the church. Ananias and Sapphira, you had people uh, lying and, and hypocrisy. Then outside of the church, divisions. Well, from inside the church again, divisions between different racial groups, you know, within the early church was going on. There's some tension about backgrounds and all these types of things. Any reason for people to uh, not get along, it happens. I don't know what that is about us, but that happens. And so there was this division that was all against the gospel. And so there's this pattern uh, throughout Acts that you really have to pay attention to. But that is the overarching pattern. about the, the gospel going forward. And if the book of Acts, if Jesus, the book of Acts, and the whole New Testament is talking about the gospel going forward, what do you think our church should be about? And what are we about? What are we about? Don't say what you think we're, you know, we should say, but truly look at what we're doing and you will absolutely know what we're about. And does it line up with what the church is to be? Jesus corrects. Go to Revelation. Read Revelation, right? What do we see? What does he say to most of the churches? You're doing these things great, and I would say that to each of us. There's so many great things going on in this fellowship. Praise God. Amen? How many great things are going on here? How many people have been touched and blessed by people, and the love of God is going out, and all these great things? I mean, really? Isn't that awesome? And that does not take away from any, you know, it's great. But how many people are coming to know Jesus Christ through us? Is the gospel going forward through this church? Anyone? Is it? How many of you have shared the gospel with someone in the last week? Raise your hand. In the last month, in the last year, how many of you have seen someone come to the Lord? And I'm, believe me, I'm with, with the group, okay? With the group, right? I have a, a forum, but I, I kind of mind, I separate that. What am I doing outside of Sundays? Okay, so I'm talking to myself here with you, right? Anyone? So, look at what happens. What stops the gospel from going forward in the book of Acts? Persecution. Fear of being hurt, rejected. Problems within the church. Hypocrisy. Division within people, within the church. Physical persecution, where they're actually getting beaten. Are we there? No. So what do you think? It, it's, it's somewhere people letting the cares of the world maybe choke out the fruit. What's, stop, what's stopping it? How can that just be unleashed and like just crank that thing open and let it flow? in our fellowship? And do you think that should be an area of prayer and focus? Do you think we could focus more time on the lost than our hurts? Do you see a, a, 
a trajectory with your body? Anybody? Is it hurting less or more? Right. And so we should be praying for one another, and those are real things because they do hurt us. But like Paul, who had, was blind, he still had to step. And what can happen in our lives as a church is we can focus a lot of time and it is loving and it is caring to pray for one another. And you guys know I've been suffering for years with pain and it affects and I need your prayer. And I want to pray for you so that I can preach the gospel. So that I would be, have boldness to go. So that he would, so that. You see what I'm saying? We got, as a church, I think, priority of, of praying for the lost, praying for our hearts, of saying, I don't even know the first, I've been going to church for how many years and I've never shared the Lord with someone. You know, and the enemy can sit there and go, you've never shared the Lord with someone, you better keep that quiet. It's just time to go, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Help. Anyone? <laughs> I'm with you. And God's put people around you who you might go, Wow, I, I really need you in my life. Could you? What does this mean? How do I share? What you're you're in this situation? And you just start asking questions. That's what Paul was doing, hanging out with the disciples. What, what do I do? They're trying to kill me. Well, you got to go. You got to run. You know, there's some practical things. So I just want to encourage you as a church. The enemy wants to keep you quiet and still. I want to encourage you that you have the light of God within you. He has made you salt and light. You are precious in His sight that you also have the responsibility not to cover it up, but to let it shine. Let it shine. You are the light of the world. The enemy's going to keep telling you the opposite and pointing to all your failures and all the things you haven't done. Oh, but Jesus is my righteousness, a righteousness outside of myself. He made me clean. Go talk to him. Amen? So, let that you know, we gotta, we got to have that discussion as a church. What is hindering the gospel from going forward? What is hindering the gospel from going forward? That is what we are about. We're about sharing Jesus. We've got to be in connection with the vine and filled with his spirit, and then we go. That's the way it works. So this morning, how many of you go, oh gosh, I am outside of that box. I feel like they're with you. Lord God, help me. I need help. I need help. If that's you, raise your hand. The rest of you are awesome. I need help. I need help. Church, your pastor needs prayer. I am not all that. I've got so many weaknesses going on and all this type of stuff, and I don't want to air my laundry but we need to pray for one another you know I know you, I've talked to so many of you in the family situations you have going on and, and the work situations they're delicate and we need the wisdom and the timing of the spirit and some of us not to be need to be bulls in a china shop but to be gentle as doves wise as serpents we need the wisdom of the spirit amen and God will give it as we seek him and we ask him. We are thoroughly planted in his word and we're looking at what he's doing as the pattern of what we should do. And so anyways, let's, let's pray for one another right now. Uh, I want to take two minutes and just pray 
uh, close your eyes and just pray for yourself, and then I'll close, uh, I'll, I'll close this, okay? So just silent prayer for two minutes, and then we're, we're done. Father, for those who raised their hands today who just said, I need help. God, that just, that's most of us. Praise you, Lord, that you are working, that we don't have to feel like we have it all together, that we can actually be something called disciples, people who are learning. And Jesus, I thank you so much that you are the master teacher and you've given us your precious holy word as uh, as just this light source that points us to your glory and who you are. So Father, I pray that you would create in each of us just a hunger and a thirst and a desire over all to go and feast upon your word that we would be looking into you, the person of Jesus. And that we would know how to do things and when to do things and in what manner to do them. And we would look for your patterns and your ways above ours. God, Teach us the gospel. We've been saved by it, but Lord, how do we take that and re-articulate it? Make us bold. Make us wise. Make us loving like Jesus. And I pray for those this morning who have never called out and, and or aren't even in this conversation because they're just dealing with, oh man, I'm a sinner. God's grace is here for you this morning. His provision is total. No matter what you have done or what you will do, Jesus Christ, his blood is powerful enough to wash it all away and make you a brand new person. And he will come into your life. He will come into your heart and make you a new creation. And if you need that, I want you to raise your hand right now and pop at him and say, God, save me. You could be sitting in this church for years. Hand up or down. Um, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. The Lord looks into your heart. God bless you. This is not a, you know, we're not going to, this is not a a show where we're going to make something of you. It's just between you and the Lord. That's for you and the Lord. Say, Lord, I need you. Anyone else? God bless you guys. God bless you. Those of you who raised your hands, don't go quietly into the night. It's time to stand up and say, Lord, take me. Come talk to me after the service. Come talk to another. If not, I'm going to hunt you down because we love you and want to encourage you. Father, we lift up this church, this beautiful church, this beautiful bride who you have prepared for your son. Lord, she is spotless because of the work you've done. Empower her, encourage her, prepare her for that day. Let her shine the light. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen.